0: And amen. It's estimated that there are about 141 official languages in the world. An official language is that language that a government will use to communicate with its citizens. However, from that number of 141 languages that are recognized, That does not include languages and dialects that people will use and speak within a country. For instance, Indonesia has a population of some 270 million people spread over 17,000 islands. It is therefore no surprise that there are over 700 languages that are employed in Indonesia. Papua New Guinea, there are over 850 indig- ind- indigenous languages. That was a tongue twister. Indigenous languages. On the African continent, there are between one and a half to two thousand languages that are used on a daily basis. There's an organization called Ethnologue, and Ethnologue that organization, counts official, unofficial, minority, recognized and unrecognized languages. And that organization has come up with a number that there are over 7,000 languages that are used in the world today. Now, around about one third of those languages are in danger of becoming extinct. That's because they're spoken by less than 1,000 people. When we think about language, English is the most spoken language in the world. Now, depending on where you get your uh, statistics from, but I'm going according to World Atlas with about 1.5 billion people speaking English. 1.5 thousand million people, that's a lot of people speaking English. Mandarin Chinese, the second language, with over 1.1 million people speaking that language. Spanish spoken by over 661 million people. However, whilst there are a multiplicity in many languages throughout the world that are used daily, there is another language used daily by rich, by poor, by both young and old, by used used by both Jew and Gentile. It is, of course, the universal, the worldwide language of tears. Whenever we consider tears, we know that it's a language employed by every person across the world. I don't know about you, but uh, when you look at the media streams, oftentimes you'll perhaps see a child in tears. Of course, there's a reason for that, and that tears. And that very picture of the child broken, upset, sorrowing, it sends a very clear message that they're hurting, that they're injured, that they're in pain, that they're mourning, that something just isn't right. Of course, not just by children, but adults as well. The ministry that the Lord has called me to, and it's a privilege to serve Christ in that ministry. I've often referred to it as a ministry of tears and the reason I say that is because tears are never far away so oftentimes I'm dealing with parents and with individuals and they're broken I remember going into a house one day and I'm not exaggerating when I say the whole family was in tears about a loved one I mean they were just broken Weeping about their family member. Pleading and literally begging me for help. I'm not ashamed to say that there have been times when during ministry I've broken down in tears. One time in particular I remember having to turn around and just weep at the events that were unfolding. There came a point in my ministry when it seemed as if I was just continually broken and finding myself in tears. There was literally death after death after death. And so I Turned to scripture and I turned to the Lord just as and I just said as it was as it happened as a broken man. And I said, Lord, surely there's a purpose for the tears and a reason. And so I began to trace the tears through Scripture. And so this afternoon or this morning, with the Lord's help, what I want to do is to trace The tears through God's word. And share with you some of those passages that the Lord brought me to. I trust it will be an encouragement, a blessing to you. You might say, well, tears are not something that I've experienced much recently or lately. I haven't shed tears for years. Maybe not outwardly, visibly, but perhaps your heart has been broke. Or perhaps tears are not too far away. And so we're going to consider tracing the tears. Psalm 6 here, in the words of verse 6, where David said, I am weary with my groaning. That word for groaning is a word, that word means sighing or mourning. He's a man mourning, he's broken. All the night make I my bed to swim, I water, my couch with my tears. Tracing the tears. I want you to consider with me first of all that the tears of the child of God. Have a voice. And this is very important. And perhaps. You want to just highlight some of these verses. And keep them in your memory as it were. Just highlight, highlight them in your Bible. For perhaps a day to come. Shedding of tears of course is a, a very common part of life. We all know don't we what it is to cry. To be broken. Whether that's outwardly or inwardly. Most children. Most babies are brought into this world crying. And it's said that that process has to do with the the oxygen getting into the lungs, and therefore a child is, is, in a sense, brought into the world in tears and crying. But alas, life, as we know, is a life filled with Or can be, we can experience those times of affliction and trials and tears. And so right from very birth, throughout life, we all experience what it is to shed tears. There are many reasons why we cry. Let me just highlight some of them for you. And this is not an exhaustive list, it's just some of the reasons why we shed tears. One of those reasons is sickness. Turn with me please to the book of Isaiah. And the chapter 38. Here in this portion we have the time whenever Isaiah was very sick. He was sick unto death. We hear in Isaiah 38 verse 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet the son of Amos came unto him and said unto him. Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. What a a word he got from the man of God. Hezekiah, prepare, you're going to die. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth. and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept. Sore. The news here about this sickness unto death it brought about him this great sense of brokenness. He wept sore. Now the Lord graciously extended Hezekiah's life by some 15 years. Well, whenever we consider Hezekiah here, Maybe you can identify with Hezekiah. Maybe you can say, well, there's been a time of protracted illness or a time of affliction in my life, and it just seems to be as if there's no end here. Look at at verse 5. The word from Isaiah that the Lord gave to Hezekiah, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days... 15 years the Lord sees our tears, every one of them. We have a great high priest, one who is touched with the very feelings of our infirmities, one who cares and who understands their tears that are brought about due to sickness. But there's also tears brought about due to suffering. In the Book of Acts in the chapter twenty, we read here the words of the about the Apostle Paul, Acts chapter twenty, in the words of verse nineteen. Here we read about Paul that he served the Lord. Verse 19, Acts 20, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. Paul knew what it was to really suffer affliction and persecution, trial as a child of God. He was shipwrecked, beaten, imprisoned, stoned, hated. He was, of course, left for dead. There were many, many things that he suffered as a Christian. And his tears were brought about by his trials and by those afflictions. It's not an easy road we're traveling to glory. Tears brought about by sickness. Tears brought about by suffering. Tears brought about by submission. In the book of Genesis, in the chapter 32, we read about the time whenever Jacob was at Peniel. It was the night before he would meet his brother Esau, when he wrestled with the Lord, the angel of the Lord from at that night to the very breaking of the day. Oh, Jacob desired the blessing of God. You know the story how Jacob said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. How much he desired God's favor and God's blessing. Now, it's not recorded in Genesis chapter 32. But in the words of Hosea, chapter 12 and verse 4, we have some other details that are recorded, some more information that's given. In Hosea chapter 12, verse 4, we read about this uh, encounter that Jacob had with the angel of Peniel. In the words of verse 4, we read, Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept. And made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel. And there he spake with us. He wept. There is a wrestle with the angel. He's a man broken. And such is his desire. Such is his need. For God's blessing in his life. That he's broken. In tears. Crying to God. Of course the challenge and the question is. Do we have the same desire and hunger for the things of God? Tears brought about and caused by sin, the direct result of disobedience in our lives. And can I say we all know what it is to experience those tears? You think of that time whenever Peter denied the Lord those three times. And the Bible records it, how he went out and he wept bitterly. And he shed those tears, tears of failure. And you and I, certainly we can identify with that, can't we? That we've failed the Lord, we've let the Lord down, we've fallen short. But oh, the mercy of God toward us as his people. As a family, we're reading through the book of Acts at the minute. And it's been striking to think of the unity within the church, especially in those open chapters But also the very fact that Peter is singled out. Peter's earmarked. He's the man that God is really going to bless and use. Peter who had failed the Lord. Of course it encourages us to know that when we weep over our sin. And when we cry to God the Lord is able to use us. Tears brought about by sorrow. You think of the burdens that we all face. That we all carry in life. It doesn't matter what home you consider, what what, uh, dwelling place you look at. Every family, every person has their problems. We all have our sorrows. We all have our burdens to care. Many a person is carrying a, a very heavy burden, a heavy load. I can't ever read neither would I want to. Read the story in Genesis, the story of Joseph being sold into Egypt and especially that point whenever even speaking about it causes me just to become emotional Where Joseph looks at young Benjamin his little brother and Joseph turns around he breaks down in tears. He's a man who's carried a heavy burden. And all of those afflictions and all of those trials and all of those problems. God had a plan and purpose. Oh, what a great God we serve. Tears brought about in our sorrow by bereavement. And we are to weep with them that weep. You see, the devil wants us to feel abandoned and alone in our time of sorrow, and our time of need. Look at the tears you shed. Look at the heartache you carry. Look at the burdens you bear. Surely your God doesn't really love you or care about you. <clears throat> Whenever David received the news about Absalom, the Bible tells us that he went into his chamber He wept. He just poured out his soul before the Lord. Of course, the devils are, because our tears, the Lord not only sees them, but the Lord hears them. Let's turn Psalm six here. In the words of verse six, here David uses what we would class or call hyperbolic language. He's when you hyperbolt something, you make it stand out. So he's making this very this very bold statement. We can we we use. Uh, various parts of English grammar every day, perhaps without even realising it. Um, we, we would use hyperbolic language more often than we would even realise. You, you might have said to someone recently, Oh, have I seen it? I've seen it a million times. No, you haven't seen it a million times, but you're, you're really stating the obvious. You're making that bold. I, I've seen it. Perhaps you can identify with what David wrote here and what he said. He says in verse 6, I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. So broken that all you do is cry. Your pillow wet constantly. No one sees, but the Lord sees. The Lord cares. He understands. Here, David. Is using this hyperbolic language to say, He shed so many tears, it's as if his tears have become a river. His bed, his couch, is now going to float on the river of his tears and the burden that he carries. And then David gets a sight of God. Notice what he says here in verse 8: He says, Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. In other words, those who would seek to scorn him, to laugh at him, and who would deride him. Where is your God? Does he really care? He's basically saying, I'm not going to listen to your lies. Why? Verse 8, for the Lord had heard the voice of my weeping. The voice of my weeping. You see, the tears of the Christian are not... Silent tears, they have a voice. See, it Spurgeon said, Is it not sweet to believe that our tears are understood when words fail? And then he said this Let us learn to think of our tears as liquid prayers. As a believer, you might be brought to the point place to the point where you don't even have a voice, audibly. Not able to express those thoughts and burdens audibly to the Lord. You're so broken. And you're at that point where all you can do is weep and cry before the Lord. But child of God, understand, please understand and underline this very fact. The Lord sees, cares, the Lord hears your tears. They have a voice. Come with me, please, to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, the words of verse 18, please. Exodus 20. Here we have the giving of the Ten Commandments at Sinai. Exodus Exodus 20. David here talked in Psalm 6 about the Lord, hath heard the voice of my weeping voice. It's the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word, which is here translated as not voice. But it's translated in verse 18, as thundering, noise. And all the people, Exodus 20, verse 18, and all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. Oh, child of God, what great consolation, what great encouragement to know that your tears are mine when we're so broken that we can't even audibly pray that our tears are as thunder before God. They have a voice. The tears of a Christian, as we trace them, they have a voice. But as we trace the tears, they also are valuable. Permit me just briefly to Psalm 56. and I'm just going to mention this briefly, but our tears are valuable. How precious, child of God, you are to the Lord. He gave everything for you. When he gave the very darling of his bosom, how precious you are, how valuable, you're so precious that your very tears are precious to him. Psalm 56 here, the words of verse 8, where the psalmist says, thou tellest my wanderings and David of course knew what it was to wander from place to place, from cave to cave. Put thy my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? And there is here an allusion here here to the ancient custom of collecting tears at a time of mourning, preserving them, putting them in a bottle, storing them up. That bottle was known as electrometry. The Romans had this custom of collecting the tears, putting them in that jar, bringing them to that place of burial. And it was a, an outward display. Oh, tears had been shed. There was a, an overwhelming sense of grief. The handkerchief would have been wrung out and the tears gathered. References made in William Thompson's great book, The Land in the Book, that this custom existed in the east. David says are they not the neighbor?" And here he's using this as an illustration. That the very tears of the child of God. The Christian are so precious to the Lord. That every single one of them. The Lord has collected. And stored up. They're precious to him. Now here's, of course, the reality. Do you and I know every tear that we've shed? Do we remember them all? Of course not. Maybe you've been asking the Lord recently, but why, Lord? Why have I had to endure? Why am I going through this trial? Why have I shed so many tears? And the Lord would say, Child of God, your tears are precious to me. Because you are precious to me. Just in closing here, just very briefly, as we trace the tears through scripture, we see that the tears of the Christian, they have a voice that they are valuable. But we want to think just in closing of the tears of the, Christ, of the child of God with A vision. A vision. We all need, don't we, as a people of God, a vision. A vision of the the harvest field of this world. A vision of the souls of men. But can I say, the vision that we really need is the vision of our great Saviour. There is nothing, nothing in this world that will energise us, that will compel us, that will empower us to go out to a lost and falling world to preach the gospel than a vision of Jesus Christ. The crucified, risen, ascended, and praise God, coming King. There's nothing that will melt our hearts, oh, to look upon Christ, his love toward us. You think of the Savior himself, who stood and who wept over Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, 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 Thou that killest the prophets and stone the same which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye were not the very heart of the Saviour moved. The Lord of course has spoken to us in many speaks to us in many portions of his word about the need for brokenness, that broken that contrite heart. That humble heart, that tender heart. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And of course, that psalm is a wonderful picture of Christ. Child of God, you and I need a vision of Christ today. That vision of our blessed Saviour that will encourage us That will inspire us to reach out to a lost and fallen world. You know as you trace the tears through scripture. And there, and there are many many more portions. Versions that, verses that speak about the tears. The brokenness of the Christian. But praise God one day. There'll be no more tears. Twice in the book of the Revelation we read how the Lord will wipe away all tears from their eyes. No more separation, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more sin. With the Lord forever. My Father was 86 years of age before I ever, ever saw him outwardly cry. It was on the news that he had terminal cancer and very little time to live. He sat with us And he wept like a child and he said, I don't want to leave my family behind. I said, but dad, you're going out into eternity without Christ where they'll be weeping and willing forever. A few days later, he came to Christ. I wonder. Do you have the forgiveness of sins? The joy that it's well with your soul? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Oh, what hope the Christian has! May God bless His word to.